kill you with truth with <laughs> damn look at this nate I still got it. Still got it and chad in arizona oh my god look at chad. oh man oh look at chad look at that window oh my god beautiful scottsdale oh my gosh boys it's been a minute let's go let me just catch up let's start with you chad how you been you all right you good well, I recovered from the, the gunk that put you out for a while, oh. messed me up, gave me pneumonia. Oh. Um, Nate sliced the uh, tip of my nose off with one of his knives during one of our shows when you were out. And uh, then I did the 12-hour drive from Colorado to Arizona. Ugh. And by the time I got here late at night, my sleep was off, so I couldn't do the show on Tuesday. I <laughs> uh, was still suffering from lack of sleep yesterday. So now here I am finally ready to do the show and kill you with some truth. I love it. Nate, you doing all right, my man? My guy, Nate Jackson. Same old, same old over here, man. Holding it down. I'm sorry I missed yesterday. I had some stuff going on. You know, you wake all up right. in the morning, you realize that you should have gone grocery shopping the day before and you got nothing in the fridge. And I had to I had to run to the grocery store early in the morning and get some stuff for us. So um yeah, okay. exactly. That um so all is well, man. I'm excited to be here with you guys. It's it's beginning to look a lot like Christmas, and uh, it's my favorite time of year. Is it really? Well, it's one of them. I, okay. I, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what are, all right. Hold on. Hold on a second as we start here. What are your three favorite times of the year, Nate? Rate them. Three, two, one. I would say the holidays are, are one. Uh, maybe okay. uh, uh, the beginning of football season or two, and, and right, right around the start of summer, which is when my birthday is in June. I think those oh. are the three. My yeah. God, I my favorite time is Arbor Day because I just love trees. Okay. I mean, I, I think they're special. All right, guys, uh, let's get to it. I want to play a clip for you. Here is Mike McGlinchey, the mayor of the Broncos. Because uh, he, he's a mayor. He likes to be do mayor things. Here he is sticking up for Russell Wilson. <laughs> Listen carefully, Mike McGlinchey. Sticking up for Russell Wilson. He'll respond the way he always has, which is with success and, and grit and toughness. I think um, being around Russell, he's, he's, he's one of the toughest people I've ever been around, especially in this sport. Um, and obviously nobody takes more shit than he does. And um, the, the way that he constantly continues to rise above it and prepare the way that he always is prepared and lead our football team. Um, and, and has helped put us in success in, in position for a playoff run, um, which you know two and a half months ago, um, I think you guys all would have laughed at us. So, um, so here we are with three games to go. Russell's going to do what he always has done best and compete his ass off and put us in position to win games. That is kind of like the trifecta of standing up for your teammate. You use a curse word to emphasize how bad things really are. Um, you, you cite past examples um, of success. And then you blame the media. None of you believed in us. I mean, there you go. The, oh. stick, the sticking up for Russell Wilson again, Nate. I think you're being a little sensitive, media guy. I don't think he was blaming the media. He had one comment about, I don't think any of you would have thought we'd be here. And that's not blaming the media. That's that's a, an honest comment about where they were two months ago. They were one in five. And they've come, come back from, from the depths of despair to be in a position to make the playoffs. Uh, the other two points about Russell, he's absolutely right. Mike McGlinchey knows Russell Wilson better than most of the guys in that locker room because not only is he his teammate now, but he played against him for a lot of years in San Francisco. Russell Wilson was 17-4 and four against the 49ers during his time in Seattle. 
he was the 49er killer. And Mike McGlinchey got an up close and personal look at Russell Wilson, you know, pulling a rabbit out of the hat a bunch of times when he was on the opposite sideline. Now he gets to see him come to work. And he's right. He does take a lot of shit. You know, he's right. Russell does take a lot of shit and he is very professional about it. He doesn't complain about it. He doesn't whine about it. He comes to work. I love that. I love that he's sticking up for his guy. The question is, is Sean Payton feel the same way about uh, Russ? And that was a great soundbite for Michael Lynchy. Great job, to your point. He, he, he touched on the most important points, but it was quite incomplete. There's a reason why we would have said you don't make the playoffs, because you weren't playing very good. You were one in five. That's why. It wasn't like the media's got it out for Russell Wilson or out for the Denver Broncos. It was reality of the situation. Um, and even during this six winning six of the last seven games, there have been some uh, less than quality opponents. Um, there have been some uh, ways to win ball games that weren't consistently things that you could replicate and do over and over again. So the doubts are not just, you know, haterade. They're doubts because what we saw on the football field. And to couch this Sean Payton, Russell Wilson thing as, oh, you know, he's going to be all right because um, he's a competitive guy. He's got a competitive fire doesn't take away from what Sean Payton did. So uh, a great soundbite, yet a very incomplete soundbite in regards to the truth. I guess it's just another year of me hearing players stick up for Russell Wilson. And I laugh at that kind of concept that it even needs to happen. You know, because like you don't hear, well, you got, we got some, we got some crazy things happen with the Avalanche guys. You haven't seen it. Devon Taves said there's 14 guys that know what they're doing and six guys who don't. How about mm. that, by the way, mm. for calling out your teammates? By he didn't name the six guys, but it leads to speculation. So, so the Avs have their own thing going on, but you don't hear somebody like Bo Byram say, uh, hey, that Nathan McKinnon, he's really good. He takes a lot of crap from you all. You don't hear, you know, Peyton Watson, although he's in a TV commercial now with Nikola Jokic, he's not sticking up for Jokic saying, hey, give the big fella a break. Nobody takes more, you know, shit than Nikola Jokic. Yes. These these aren't apples to apples. These aren't even apples to oranges. These are apples to fire trucks. They're not even fruit. Uh, Russell Wilson does get shit on by the media. It's not even comparable so Nathan McKinnon, when when did when does Nathan McKinnon get attacked? When he do we... doesn't. That's that's right. my point. You don't have to, you don't have to stick oh, up for okay. Nathan McKinnon. Okay. You don't have to okay. stick up for Jokic. Okay. We've got a quarterback where this is needed. Apparently, yes. again, it is. it is because you you're brothers, man. You're in the locker room together. You're going through the same thing every day. You're working just as hard as one another, and you see one guy getting getting all the blame, getting attacked. His character, what type of guy he is. He goes to the basketball game on his birthday without his family. What a weirdo. What's wrong with him? <laughs> Stuff like that. So, of course, that's going to eat at you a little bit. You know, uh, that's, that's a good I remember. He, he was with his sister. He was with right. his sister, as it turns out. I remember when Jake Plummer got uh, got replaced by Jay Cutler, okay? Yeah. We were 7-3 and three going into this Thanksgiving game, and you're probably among those beating the drum for Jay Cutler. We want to see the young gunslinger uncork the cannon. Jake Plummer's not going to win it for you. Come on, let's see Jay, Jay, Jay. Finally. We, we found out or we heard you know, uh, Adam Schefter um, went with this story that if we lose this game, if we right. lose this game, right, the, re- the replacement is going to be made. Okay. They're going to make a quarterback switch. We're seven and three. Okay. We did lose the game. It was a Thanksgiving game. And after the game, 
all the media who never ever talks to Jay. They never talk to Jay after a game. Why would you talk to a backup quarterback after the game? Everybody was waiting at Jay's locker to talk to Jay after we just lost a heartbreaker on Thanksgiving to the Chiefs. And I was very pissed off about that. I was very fucking pissed at you guys for doing that. It showed no restraint. It showed no class. And it showed me that you guys wanted to watch Jake burn. You wanted to bury him. And you wanted to anoint the next guy. The media wants to bury Russell Wilson more than they want to celebrate him. That's how it feels at times. And so I understand Mike McGlinchey having those feelings and saying a, a cuss word when he's talking about it. That's all. Uh, all right. Uh, oh, my God. So much to unpack there. <laughs> You know, I, I would make the argument that the media doesn't want anything aside from following whatever story exists. So if there's a story that exists, there's nothing wrong with the media following that story. They're not. I, I would say it's fair to think the media roots for a story to cover because that's what the media does. But that being said, it's the athletes, coaches, organizations that lay the story out, not the media. The media just wants something going on. Win games. Nate, that's what I would tell you on that one. Win the game. Make it not a story. The end. You know, you guys did it. You guys lost the game, I guess. Adam Schefter uncovered a story which was true and frustration at the media. I don't know. Is I think it's the last bastion of desperation for teams. Eh. I mean, Chad, go ahead. I, I know you, you probably have a lot to say here, but but the media, I think, contributed to Jay Cutler being uh, or to Jake Plummer being supplanted by Jay Cutler because of the drumbeat. It got so loud. I mean, and I do think, you know, the coach and, and that's not an excuse. I mean, the coach should be you know strong enough to to defer those feelings. But you know what you were talking about. You got you know what you guys were doing. You know, what you were doing. <laughs> we made the AFC championship game the previous year, bro. I, listen, I think everybody loved Jay, uh, Jake Plummer. I love Jake Plummer. I love Jake Plummer. I, I certainly didn't like Jay Cutler, but I'm not the one that drafted Cutler in the first round. I Chad, I mean, you know, the team did that. Not me, not the media. I can't think of, of one coach um, who has taken a media drumbeat, to use your words, Nate, and allowed that to influence the, the depth chart. There's, there's certainly been GMs who have walked down to coach's office and told coaches who's supposed to play and who's not supposed to play. But if the media and the fan drumbeat was that loud, Tim Tebow would still be playing. Tim Tebow would be playing for one of the teams he got opportunity for. So yeah. there was certainly drumbeats for Tim Tebow. There was certainly billboards and all that he other stuff. He was a tight end, Chad. He was huh? a tight end. He was a tight end. That's a called a drumbeat. He was signed as a tight end. In Jackson, yeah, didn't make it out of training camp because yeah, he couldn't but, play. But did the did the drum beat help that signing? I believe it did. No, Urban Meyer, being the coach of Jacksonville, made that signing possible. It, there was no other team that would have taken Tim Tebow. None, no other team on the planet. It was his experience with Urban Meyer more than a media drum beat that made that whole thing possible. And maybe they thought they could control the narrative with this whole thing and control the media. You know, Urban Meyer is clearly a guy who's got a very high opinion of himself, so he thought this would make him somehow look good or look better. But even before he moved to tight end, when he was with the Jets or, or, or with the Patriots or with the Broncos, Tim Tebow did not get that opportunity because of the media, because the teams were desperate. That's why he got that opportunity. 
you know, well, we're we're circling the the drain sorry, around yeah. Uh, yeah, sorry, sorry. about weird stuff with Russell Wilson again because let's face it, this relationship with Sean Payton and Russell Wilson, this ain't built for the long haul, is it, Nate? I think that I think the time will tell. I, I can't I cannot definitively say that they're not going to work out because they're seven and seven right now. They got three games left. They ha- they are in the playoff hunt. This is a really important game here. I think this game here is going to show you a lot about what this relationship is and its ability to repair itself or to improve after a tough go. You know, because this was the first time you really saw that tension bubble out and uh, and and the frustration and the emotion get the better of Sean Payton when delivering a message to Russell. And so how will they respond to that? This is a difficult this is going to be a I don't think Sean Payton likes this game at all. This crappy team coming in. Um, I think it's a game that if they lose it, it could go really oh. off the rails. Oh. And if they win it, but if, but if they win it, it's like, of course, you're supposed to win. This is a shitty team. And, and that's why I think this is a, a dangerous game for them. Because also the New England Patriots are a really good rush defense. The Broncos like to establish the run, but they're not running the ball that well. And so I can see Sean Payton saying, look, this team is really good um, at running uh, that rush defense. we got to throw the ball. And then, and then starting that whole thing again and then it getting out of control if it doesn't work. So I think that um, this is a huge week for the Broncos. Well, this game on paper is, uh, I, I mean, the Broncos should win, and I think they will win, and I think they'll they'll win relatively easily. I think what happens if you watch the Patriots, they do have a good run defense, but like a lot of good defenses in any department, they get worn down because the offense is so terrible for the Patriots. Yeah. Inevitably, yeah. the defense just gets a little bit tired. So I could see a pretty close first half, and then the Broncos just sort of, you know, moving away. By the way, the game itself is going to be kind of interesting. It's Sunday night football. They're going with that snow cap theme with the white helmets, the uh, white end zones, and it's supposed to snow, Chad. <laughs> I mean, I mean, it's all going to be coming together in a Rocky Mountain way, I think. Uh, Bill Belichick is the master of the weather game. Now, of course, Bill Belichick is off the Bill Parcells tree, and so is Sean Payton. I'm not sure if Sean Payton does the ridiculous weather things that Bill Belichick does. The first snowfall of the year, you don't practice indoors. You head outside to get practice playing in the snow, running through the snow, cutting in the snow. During training camp, there is wet football day where every single ball that is put into play during practice comes directly out of a bucket of water. So the center has to snap a wet ball. The quarterback has to throw a wet ball. The receivers have to catch wet balls. The running backs are handed wet balls. So the Patriots, in the Patriot way, is the most weather-prepared uh, weather game team I've ever been around. The amount of focus that goes into what may never happen at all during the course of a season is amazing. It's actually astounding how much time and effort they put into that. That was one of the reasons why Matt Patricia in Detroit lost that locker room because they play in a dome out there. But he tried that. The first snowfall, his first year as the Detroit Lions head coach, he made them practice outside. And the Detroit Lions players just did not get that kind of thing but that speaks to how dedicated the Patriot way is to being prepared for a weather game. So if it becomes a weather game, I think the scales may tilt a little bit in favor of the Patriots. But Nate's got some good points about this Patriots defense. They are very run-oriented. And if Sean Payton loses track of that's the one thing that they're strong with and doesn't try to wear them down, to your point, DMAC, uh, he will put himself into the exact situation that Bill Belichick is so good at. He forces you to play left-handed. 
This is actually a quote from Sean Payton earlier this week. So if Sean Payton falls into the trap of trying to win left-handed, then that's all completely on him. So this game has got less to do, with, in my opinion, with the running game and Russell Wilson. It's got more to do with the internal discipline mm. of Sean Payton, of having some patience and knowing who's on the other sideline and knowing you have to outlast this guy. Chances are you're not going to be able to outsmart this guy. Real quick on on Bill um, Belichick, they're three and eleven, horrible season. Do you think he's still going through all those all those Patriot way things? You think he's still preparing mm. the team the same way, or is he like, fuck it, it's <laughs> you know we're just gonna go home, uh, have a good day, guys. Like what's no, going on? With nothing that? has changed. That, I don't I don't mess with that guy. Is capable of changing. Uh, um, so yeah, the the weather situations, the the slip and slide practice, as as it was called, where we made rookie, rookie slide through a part of the field that was hosed down with fire hoses so they can learn how to recover a fumble in wet conditions. They hosed down the grass field with fire hoses, and all the vets stood around while the rookies played slip and slide. That was part of that practice with the wet footballs. Again, every single year, every single training camp, it is a Patriot staple and tradition. All right. Well, we can dig into our predictions perhaps tomorrow and then find out from Chad what it's like to truly be a Patriot, not a Bronco. I mean, and, uh, Chad, uh, Chad would be the expert in that department. I Listen, losing this game would be a disaster of epic proportion. You, you're right on that, Nate. There, there's not a lot to be gained from the Broncos. They got to win this. And I think they've got to win it relatively easily and i think they will actually i do um uh, but we can get into that more tomorrow even thinking about losing this game what a disaster that would be uh, that would be such an epic fail on such a mammoth proportion the patriots may be next to the panthers or maybe they are the worst team in the nfl this year really seriously it's their offense is so so bad remember yeah. when we were screaming about how bad the the Broncos were at 16.7 points last year. The mm -hmm. Patriots, guys, 13.3. Yeah. 13.3, Nate. Yeah, 13.3. The three bottom teams in scoring in the NFL are the New England Patriots, the New York Giants, and the New York Jets. Wow. Uh, the Jets are, are pretty bad, just like last year. Hackett still not finding a way to score touchdowns in the NFL. And so you're right. Uh, the Patriots' offense incredibly bad. And so the way that you keep them incredibly bad is you keep the defense of the Broncos incredibly fresh and incredibly hungry and able to attack Bailey Zappi or whoever's back there. Right. And you do that, again, by controlling the pace on offense. And it's not just about, hey, how is my defense playing? It's about the total um, management of the game that allows your defense to stay fresh and you control time of possession. And when those guys come on, Alex Singleton's flying around and Jaquan McMillan's flying around and these guys can fly around and cause turnovers. And, uh, you know, Bailey Zappi probably pretty prone to make some mistakes, but if you give them life and you let them start to wear you down and you get tired as a defense, then some bad things can happen. Um, so yeah, it, it would be a disaster if the Broncos lost this game, but they got a chance to, to gain a game on some of the teams that, that picked up one last week, right? Um, the Bengals play the Steelers. There's one right there. Whoever loses that game, you'll you'll have an advantage against them. Uh, who else are we behind here? Um, let's see. Everybody. Everybody else. I mean, they're in 11th place. They're behind literally everybody. 
Yeah. Name it. Name a team. I mean, Cleveland uh, and Houston are playing each other, so that's that'll cannibalize the moment. A yeah, little bit there. yeah. There you go. Um, and uh, Indy is at Atlanta. Um, you know. All right. Do, do all right. Let me, really quick. Do you guys think with ten wins the Broncos get in? And clearly, we are in literal must-win territory. Everybody can acknowledge that. Chad, ten wins. Do you think the Broncos are in the playoffs? Uh, not with a, not with any certainty, um, just because they're in 11th place and there's just, you know, there's so many other teams to go in front of them that have to, you know, all the playoff manifications of things that have to, to happen. So manifestations yes, ten wins makes it a certainty. 10 wins makes it a possibility, but doesn't make it a certainty. Dude, manifications is the best made up word of all time. Right? Isn't it just, not? There's no, there's, there's no way that's a word, but it actually is perfect. It speaks perfectly to the situation, doesn't it? The, the manifications. Beep bop and do bop. I mean, that is <laughs> perfect. Uh, the situations the of the manifestations <laughs> of the playoff situation. Um, yeah, man, I think I think 10 wins is going to get in. I think a couple of these teams are going to falter here at the end. They're not all going to win out. Something's going to happen. The quarterback's going to get hurt or whatever. I mean, C.J. Stroud is a little banged up. I know they got uh, a pretty good win last week. But, no, I, I think 10 wins. I think 10 wins. The Broncos get in. All right. I, I kind of do, too. I've been sticking to that all year. I'll stick with it. Other teams, crap happens to other teams too. And uh just crap happens in your manifications. Crap you know? happens, man. That's 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 the way it goes. All right, boys. Love you both. Hope you have a spectacular day. Chad, what's the best thing you're gonna be doing today? Ooh, uh, I am finally shifting my focus to Christmas just in time. <laughs> 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 putting the Christmas tree up will happen today. Putting it, putting it decorations. up. Decorations. Oh, okay. All right, Nate. Yeah, we just did that within the last couple of days as well. We're heading off to California to see my family for Christmas. We're leaving tomorrow, so we're kind of just uh, tying up all the loose ends around here, and uh, and uh, might go see some some pretty lights tonight. Uh, there's a couple of places around town where you can go see do that. So we're gonna get in, we're getting the Christmas spirit. I was playing some Christmas music last night. Oh, just, there you uh, go. man, there you it's go. just it makes me feel good inside. So um, yeah, Merry Christmas, y'all. Well, and I want to say to all the logical people out there, um, happy winter solstice, which is today. So logical. Yeah. Logic Logic is fun, huh? You know, kill them with logic. I kill you with truth. All right, boys. We love you. We'll talk to you later. Santa. Scooby Bob. Ho, ho, ho.